The Car Guys Report Informed Automotive is up next, but first, take a listen to this other fine Opie show. This week on Minutia Men Celebrity Interview, we talk with Shark Tank's Mark Cuban. As a dad, uh-huh. when your kids want something, do you make them give you the 90-second pitch? Oh, uh, like... yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'll give them that, and for that reason, I'm out, too. <laughs> <laughs> Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. An Opie show only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. I'm Steve Baskerville from Back to You. Join me on the Island of Radio Misfits Holiday Special. Coming this holiday season to opishows.com. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to uh, have you with us. I'm Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable, and uh, this is uh, yet another episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. And Lou and I were just uh, chit-chatting, as we always do before the start of each program. Always something interesting going on in uh, our car worlds. I got a couple of things I wanted to uh, open the uh, show with, Lou. Um, one thing was we always talk about, or at least I, I tend to talk about, um, you know, the car cars that I own or the car that my girlfriend owns and she has a Prius 2013 Prius and she recently had a brake job done she went to an independent to save some money which was good and I think she actually got a better brake job than the dealer the dealer wanted to resurface rotors she got new rotors I'm not a big resurface rotor guy I like you know when your your brakes are your brake pads are worn out because they last a lot longer than they do now I like to just get brand new rotors I don't like do the resurfacing thing so anyway since that uh episode or that brake job that she had there's occasionally this kind of um just not a real loud clunk but kind of like this weird little kind of she calls it a rattle i call it more of a clunk coming from somewhere in the back of the car and i looked and she has of course a whole bunch of stuff in the hatch and you know she's a musician so there's a music stand back there and and a bunch of other stuff and i took all that stuff out and i made sure that the spare tire was was tight and everything and i'm like there's nothing back there that's that that i can tell is making noise so and i couldn't really do anything on the driveway to look at i just said well next time you go to the toyota dealer for your oil change just have them take a look at it so she did that a couple of weeks ago and they didn't even know what it was for a while she goes you have to drive the car you know and she went out with them and they finally heard it and they they say and i don't doubt this but what I'm leading up to is I've never had this situation happen before is they said that the aftermarket brake pads that were installed are on the rear are apparently moving around or loose or something. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense to a point because first of all, this thing doesn't make sound all the time. The brakes work fine when she's braking and they're not chattering or squealing or anything like that and they're high quality brake pads they're akibono brake pads which is a very high-end japanese brand for uh, replacement aftermarket brake pads so i would think that they would be fitting good so i don't know if maybe there's a shim they didn't put in or something i'm not trying to, to blame whoever did the work on it i'm just curious to find out what the ultimate resolution will be so at some point in the future here we're going to take it back to the place that did the work and, and you know they have a warranty and stuff and i'm sure they'll take care of it but i'm, I'm going to be interested in seeing what they say because i've never had you know i use aftermarket brake pads all the time i mean not in all my cars but in a lot of my cars and i've never had any issues like that have you ever encountered anything like that no anything usually your clunking comes before 
before the break, or you know, before the break. Yeah, they're, they're done, not after. I thought it was like a, uh, a suspension bushing or something because she's got like eighty five thousand miles on the car, so it, that that wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. But um, we'll see what happens. I mean, um, you know, I, I do agree to uh, a major point that um, using OEM. Uh, parts, you know, from the manufacturer do make a lot of sense in some areas. But then in other areas, um, you know, when we really start delving into this, you find that, you know, somebody that makes a part for Porsche is actually making that it's a it's a one of their suppliers. And you can get that under the supplier's name a lot cheaper than you can under, you know, the Porsche or the Mercedes or the Ford or whatever. So, We'll keep you posted on um, the brake pad situation on her car. But like I said, it's nothing that I wasn't all worried about or anything because it was intermittent. And like I said, her brakes feel great. I've driven the car. They're awesome. So we'll see what happens. But And then I know I talked to you about this a couple of weeks ago, and we haven't talked about it on the air yet. Um, and I was all excited when I told you about it. Remember, um, you know, like when you when you read your car magazines or watch uh, car shows on TV, uh, you see spy shots of cars, and they're either covered in like this weird like zebra black and white or yeah. digital camo or like big tarps or something to 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 you know disorient you and 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 enable you to not figure out what the car is give you a silhouette yeah yeah Yeah. just something that you know car manufacturers testing on public roads but they don't want to let people know what it is i finally saw an actual camouflaged test car in the wild i was uh in downtown chicago a couple weeks ago and the car was going in the opposite direction so there's no way i could follow it but it had michigan plates on it which makes sense and to me it looked like a it looked like a cadillac escalade because it was a large suv but it had all those um just black kind of like uh, tarps with bungee cords all over the whole car mm. so you couldn't tell you yeah. know, any sharp edges or anything. And I'm like, wow, I've never seen like an actual, you know, I, like, what the spy, spy car. Yeah, what the spy photographers take pictures of. So it was really cool. And I was wondering, I wonder what that could be all about. And I was thinking, because I, I, I'm hepped up on this Blackwing twin turbo V8 that Cadillac is putting in only one car so far. And I said, I thought to myself, wow, maybe they're, maybe it's a black wing test mule. But then I found something online, like literally like a week later that said Cadillac was thinking about putting the black wing in the Escalade, but they're not. I'm like, that's just the dumbest idea because right now it's got like an LS, some, some derivative of an LS4, LS1 or whatever V8. And it's a, it's a good engine that's in there now, the 420 horsepower. But I think they should just slot that black wing in there with 550 horsepower and call it a day but i don't know what that escalade if it w- truly was an escalade it could have been uh, a tahoe too maybe because it was the same size but it was very cool actually seeing something in person uh on the road like that have you ever seen a, a any any camouflaged vehicles from a car manufacturer no, no test camo cars so so far yeah and it's funny because we live in the Midwest, so you would think that we would have a better chance of seeing them every now and then because we're not that far from Michigan, and they do have to get these things out on the road. So it was just very exciting to see, and, yeah. I, and I would have I would have liked to have tried to follow it or figure out exactly what it was, but that just wasn't in the cards. But um, we'll see if they end up coming out with anything Escalade-like that's different than what they have now, and perhaps that is what I saw live 
on the road. If you like what we're doing here on the Car Guys Report, be sure to tell a friend about the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. It's available online at radiomisfits.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Car Guys Podcasts. And of course, you can email us at any time at your convenience with whatever is on your mind. Car Guys Report at hotmail.com is our email address. Uh, came across a little blurb, Lou, uh, in a magazine uh, recently coming from Reuters.com. And this is interesting because we know that uh, new car prices are at an all-time high, something like 30, average new car prices, something like $38,000 now. And this is not surprising, this stat that came out. The average price of a 10-year-old car, we're talking used car vehicles now, used cars, is $8,657 or nearly 75% higher than in 2010. So about nine years, 10 years ago, the price of, they're saying the price of a used car has gone up 75%. And it says, by contrast, the average price of a new car has risen only 25% in the same time frame. Hmm. And I was wondering why that is happening. And I started thinking that uh, people are keeping their cars longer. I think the average uh, age of a car on the road these days is something like 11 years, I think, is the average age in, in the U.S. So if people are keeping their cars longer, that would mean that there's less used cars on the on the market. And that's one thing that would probably be causing the prices to go up. And then depending on how, how it shakes out, if, if it's a car that people would want, maybe like a Toyota or a Nissan or something that would be, you know, deemed reliable and, 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 and affordable used that, and there'd be demand for that, that would cause the, 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 uh, used car prices to escalate. But that really took me by surprise because I'm a big used car guy. You know, I've only bought a handful of brand new cars and of course they depreciate like crazy in the first few years of ownership. And I always think it's smarter to take advantage of the depreciation like you did with your, your Lincoln, your right. MKC. And, um, Use that to your advantage because you're, in essence, getting, you know, you can buy a three or even four-year-old used car now and have it be, you know, 50% less than the uh, uh, manufacturer's uh, retail price or the new car price. And many times you'll still have a warranty in effect. And it's, you know, cars last a lot longer than they used to. So I think maybe people are awakening to that, too, and that's causing more demand in the used car market, and hence the prices are going up. But that's a huge increase, though, 75% in 10 years versus 25% for a new car. So I just thought that was an interesting tidbit that uh, I came across, and I wanted to uh, spend a couple minutes talking about it. Another thing, too, that um, I found interesting recently is, you know, when I go to check up on my Firebird at the body shop, which is uh, coming along ever so slowly, but... um, they're doing a little bit of rust repair on the uh, driver's side rear quarter panel. Um, they have, I was actually there uh, recently, and uh, he's got the patch panels ready to go, and he's got to do a little bit of uh, hammering on the, there's like the inner, there's the, the fender part, and then there's like the inner part that's actually part of the, like it's like the inner it would be in essence like the inner part of the lower trunk if you were like inside the car and that part is like this stamped piece of metal and it's, it's like oh like it's brand new but it's like all it's probably coming from china it, it, it's kind of all like somewhat misshapen he goes yeah i'm gonna have to spend some time with a hammer just getting all that straightened out but you know it'll look fine and it'll be great so but when i was in there uh, earlier this year we were talking and again we've talked about this on, on our program here is 
a lot of the cars that uh, body shops get in these days are new cars and they have all these uh, backup sensors and and lane chain you know uh lane departure warnings and all this stuff built into the car either in the bumpers or in the mirrors or whatever and body shops are are having to uh, deal with all that and it's opened up this whole new area of how do we fix this stuff because we have to follow all these manufacturers uh instructions you know you can't put too many coats of paint because it's gonna uh make the sensors not work and then many times you have to actually take the car to the dealer to get stuff realigned or or, or programmed and now there's a certain and this is only for the trade so far for body shops, but I think at some point it would be interesting if if a company like this, this, this is a company called SmartExpress.com, and what they do is they provide mobile, uh, what they call ADAS, which is a uh, acronym for the Advanced Driver Assistance Systems, like the stuff we just talked about, the lane departure warning, radar cruise control, anything that has to do with with all these new computerized uh, driver aids on a car. They will come to a body shop, and they have um, the expertise the instructions and the equipment to do that in, instead of having to take it to the dealer. Uh, currently, they're they're doing over 30 vehicle brands. They do calibrations, programming, electrical diagnostics, and complex, what they call complex wire repair. And it's and they, they say they have OEM equipment, licensed software, which is the big thing. And I looked, you know, currently they're not doing Porsche, darn. And I don't think they're doing Mercedes, but they're doing a lot of other ones. But it's just interesting that this uh, subset of... of uh, of uh, auto repair has opened up and i would really like to see this expand to a company like this offering their services to an independent repair shop so when you take your car there it doesn't have to be a body shop but just like it's just your mechanic and if you have to have something programmed whether it's the radio that you have to get reprogrammed to the car or whatever that they could do it instead of having to take it to the dealer and obviously they're they're doing it because they're not, they wouldn't be as expensive as as the dealer because the dealer's just going to charge you their hourly rate i mean when i recently had um I needed to get another key for my uh, Porsche 911 because when I bought the car, I only had one key. And uh, the key itself is ridiculously expensive. And then you have to get it programmed. And you can only do that at the dealer because they got to plug it into the Porsche computer. And they're charging you an hourly rate of over $200 an hour to do that. And it's just like... You know, but you're you're kind of hamstrung there because you can't do anything else with that. So, a uh, place like uh, Smart Express, they're located in Illinois. Just very interesting, um, something that we're going to be uh, seeing, I think, more of in the future. And it's an acronym I didn't know: Advanced Driver Assistance Systems (ADAS). And uh, this company actually bills themselves as digital automotive services. So kind of a neat thing to uh, keep in mind. And definitely, I think it kind of reminds me, Lou, of when. And this is going back, boy, probably 25, 30 years ago at least with the advent of the onboard diagnostic computers that they put in cars. And I remember reading um, in one of my niche publications that I would get called Skin Knuckles, which is still a, a magazine that's around. They had a uh, automotive historian. I believe he's passed away uh, now, but his name was uh, Matt Joseph. And he was a fairly well-known automotive historian. And he was predicting that you know, in, in within 10 years, you know, you're going to be able to go to the store and buy your own scanner so you can get your codes on your car. And sure enough, I mean, that's exactly what happened. And you can go to any, uh, 
even like place like Walmart sells them. You can go to Walmart, you can go online, you can go to any auto parts store and buy a handheld computer anywhere from like 50 up to probably $300 to scan your, you plug it into your OBD2 port and you can scan your codes. You can do a bunch of stuff with your car. And that would have been unheard of, um, you know, 20, 30 years ago. So I think this ADAS thing is something that we're going to see more of uh, coming up in the future. It's going to be really interesting to see. Um, another part of the program that we um, always do here on the Car Guys Report is uh, stuff that has uh, recently gone up for sale online, whether it be at Hemmings, Bring a Trailer, uh, some of a, some of our uh, friends in uh, in England. Uh, we always talk about our friends at Nicholas, me, Aston Martin. They always have some interesting things for sale. But this is another one coming from uh, Bring a Trailer. And I know we did a Lamborghini um a version of this uh, in shows past, but this is uh, an owner's manual set that sold on Bring a Trailer recently. It was coming out of England for a Ferrari 365 GT4 BB, and I did a little bit of um, reconnaissance on the actual car. It's the Berlinetta Boxer. They made 387 of them. It's got that glorious flat 12 engine in it. They're selling now anywhere at auction in the about the $500,000 range was a pr- pretty safe bet uh, that I looked up and somebody had a complete owner's manual set from 1975 for this car and it sold for $5,000 wow. <laughs> bring a trailer and I just I just think it's so cool how the ephemera uh, can go for so much but a lot of times if you've got a car like that and you might not have either the owners the original owner's manual or parts of it I mean this thing has everything it's got the radio uh, instructions it's got the pouch uh, that came with it it's got you know all the pieces to it and maybe you're missing only one or two of those and if you're spending 500 grand on a car 5,000 just to get the rest of the owner's manual isn't a bad <laughs> way to go I mean when I bought the Porsche I needed to get an owner's manual I think it was $35 from Porsche so a little bit of a difference in price there but it was interesting to see that uh, people are willing to pay up for these uh, owner's manuals uh, for these exotic cars when they do come available and it, it, the funny thing is I was would almost look at it, if you were the owner of that and I don't know why you would have one because you probably don't have the car anymore or maybe you found it at a swap meet or as as they say, or as they call them in the UK, auto jumbles. It'd be almost like found money because you could find something like that. You could probably pay like 50 bucks for it and the, the seller would be happy. And then, but you would know that, hey, I could probably sell this for a lot more than I paid for it. So uh, just be on the lookout if you're at a swap meet or something and you see an owner's manual for any, any uh, exotic car come up from uh, you know 30 or 40 years ago, like a Lamborghini or Ferrari or Maserati or something, might be worth uh, picking it up and taking a chance because I, I called that uh, owner's manual set well sold at $5,000 on... Um, on bring a trailer but um and also too i'm just looking through my things to get back to the cadillac real quickly um like i said after i saw that camo uh what i think was a escalate on the road uh, i found something online coming from motor trend and they're talking about the next generation of gm's full-size suvs coming out for 2020 and they said G, uh, gm ceo mary barra confirmed the new versions of the profitable trio will come to market in 2020 but would not give exact time that's got to be what i saw i mean i swear because it was i know it was this big hunkin you know it, it was definitely the like you say the silhouette of something like an escalate and then i i read this thing literally day 
days after I saw it. And it's just like, wow, that is just unbelievable timing. And it says here, there's only going to be one powertrain, an updated version of the 6.2 liter V8 that's already in the flagship caddy. Early plans to give the Escalade the 4.2 liter twin turbo Blackwing V8 were shelved. Performance or V versions of the Escalade are expected to have a version of the 6.2 liter supercharged small block V8. So I don't know why they decided not to put the Blackwing in there. And, and my notes on the thing in, in, in writing with an exclamation point, I said, really? Big mistake. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. But I just thought it was just really funny. I know I keep talking about that, but there's some things um, that just the timing on that was very, very interesting. So I just wanted to uh, make sure we talked about that. If you like the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, that's what me and Lou are doing here on the Car Guys Report. Make sure to check out some of the other programs that are available on the Radio Misfits podcast network, like the uh, program Free Kicks. It's an OPI show. Uh, Rick Kempfer and Adam Howarth, he's the director of coaching for the Illinois Youth Soccer Association. They discuss all the latest international, national, and local soccer news. Their program is called Free Kicks. It's an OPI show, and it's available only on the Radio Misfits podcast network. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place, and that would be radiomisfits.com. How many cars, Lou, that you own have leather seats? I think I know the answer. Uh, two. Two. So I, your uh, Viper has leather in it, doesn't it? Um, now that you say it, three. Three. And that's what I thought, because the Jaguar has leather. Yeah. The Lincoln has leather. Yep. And the uh, Viper has leather. Yeah. Um, most of the cars I own have leather. The only cars that, that don't have leather that I own are the uh, Firebird, which has the... Uh, uh, classic uh, mid-70s Marocide vinyl from General Motors. Uh, the crazy uh, 1958 Impala uh, vinyl with the little sparklies in it. And um, then the Saab that I have has a plush velour interior. But every other car I own from the Aston Martin through the Porsches, through the Mercedes, through the Corvette are all leather. And usually leather is associated with, you know, high-end cars, Bentley, especially the, the, the English manufacturers, Jaguars and Bentleys. I always say, like, you know, how many cows did it take to, you know, furnish this interior? And they say, like, 35 cow hides to, to do one Bentley interior and things like that. And what uh, this is a... Um, article that came out in the wall street journal recently and i found it interesting um that some of the high-end car manufacturers are not exactly shunning leather but they're trying to be a little bit more perhaps um eco-friendly and also just to kind of differentiate themselves with some of their cars and it says here when bentley designed queen elizabeth ii's state limousine in 2013 the rear seat was luxuriously adorned not in leather but in lamb's wool, which is usually what they do for floor mats in Bentleys. They do lamb's wool floor mats. But, um, you know, she wanted something different. And, of course, Bentley wanted to do something different for her. But what we're seeing, they said even traditional wool is falling by the wayside. Uh, the 2020 uh, Range Rover Evoque is offering a plant-based woven textile made from eucalyptus. It's much lighter than wool and requires far less stitching. It's also cooler in the summer and warmer in the winter, and it's even got a little bit of stretch to it, so it conforms better to your body. And Volvo, you know, being a Swedish company, they're always kind of on the cutting edge of a lot of different things. Um, 
they're doing a lot of uh, different uh, cloths. They have one called Lava in the V60 wagon. It's a black and white cross stitch known as Blonde City Weave. And Volvo's color material director, uh, Eba Maria Thunberg, uh, said that some of the brand's new wool blend seats were inspired by materials her team saw at the 2017 Stockholm Furniture Fair, which is interesting. So you're getting kind of a little bit of crossover. And, and actually what they saw at the Furniture Fair was a... Uh, a Hans Wegner Oculus chair from the 1960s. So where's uh, that guy from the Antiques Roadshow when you need him? He can tell us what that would be worth. But it's neat how they kind of, uh, you know, everything old is new again in a way is kind of what I'm kind of thinking this is, you know, happening with the car companies. They said Audi is uh, with their new e-tron GT. They're going to come out with a uh, material that looks like merino wool. It's called Econol, and it's uh, actually uh, partly based on recycled plastic fibers, but it has Luxcred, as they say. Fashion brands, including Prada, deploy the fabric for its bags while Breitling, which is a watch company, and I should know this because I'm a watch guy, they said Breitling has adopted it for its watch straps. And I do believe, I do own a couple of Breitlings. I don't have any Econol watch straps on them, but I, I do remember seeing that that name associated with Breitling. So now I know exactly what it is. And this is the fun part, Lou. This is neat. They said um, kind of in the, you know, not only are they looking at different fabrics other than leather, but they're actually going back and becoming a little retro. They said Porsche is updating some of its archival fabric patterns for its new cars. They're bringing back the black and white houndstooth design, which there we've all go. seen on on uh, mid-70s uh, 911s and such, um, t- patterns that go back to the 60s and 70s. And that houndstooth uh, design is called Pepita. And they said, according to a Porsche Lords, intended to echo the checkered flag a driver might see when winning Le Mans, uh, something the German brand has achieved, of course, 19 times. But they said that uh, there's going to be um, heritage design packages offered in some of the 911s coming down the pike. And they said that, you know, leather, you know, it's not going away. They said that, you know, there's a lot of people that still want leather, believing it uh, connotes wealth, luxury, and comfort. But uh, I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of these, uh, you know, hybrid type fabrics coming into vogue too the closest i have in any of my cars to that is alcantara which is that synthetic suede uh the headliner in my aston martin is alcantara and that's really the only car i have that's got anything like that the macan that i had as a uh, loaner um a month or two ago had uh, the factory uh Alcantara and leather seats in it. And Alcantara's got a cool feel to it. I just don't know how it wears. Because I did have a car. Uh, I had a 1992 Saab 9000 CD Griffin edition, which they made in 1992. They made 400 of them. It was an appearance package. It was eucalyptus green metallic paint with a kind of a taupe um, interior. And they had leather and suede seats. So they had suede accents on the seats, actual suede. And it looked really cool. But, of course, the suede, as you know, kind of wears and it gets shiny. And, you know, it didn't really wear that well, although it looked really cool. And I always wondered how well Alcantara um, wears. But it's been out long enough. Uh, as an interior fabric that I haven't heard of anyone really complaining about it, but um, I kind of like leather. I've kind of gotten used to it. Um, how's the leather holding up in your cars? Is it is it wearing pretty well? I'm getting a little bit of wear on uh, the Jaguar. Um, the Viper seems to be fine, and a little bit of wear on the Lincoln, too. Yeah. I think the Jag, because um, that's Connolly leather in there, most likely. Well, I, I want to add to that. I mean, um, 
you know, it's not uh, my wife drives the car and she's, you know, under 150 pounds overall, I'm sure. But it's a convertible, too, so it's exposed a lot yeah, more to the so elements. Yeah, so she's not, well, we rarely have the convertible, you know, where the top's down and the sun's beating on it. So, I mean, you know, she's not a heavy person in the seat or something like that. Um, um, you know, so I don't think from a body size standpoint, we're beating it up too yeah. much. I'm, you know, I'm about a buck 70. So. Yeah. You know, you would think that it would handle a little better than that, but I think it's just that it happens in most places up on the upper half or down in the lower half when you're, you know, pulling in, pulling out, and you're getting that that pull, that tear on it. Sure, and you're it's fine. And a lot of your um, uh, seat belt, you know, you'll see it where you know you pull the shoulder belt over. Yeah, you'll see that wear there. Um, but I do think the Con- it's probably Connolly leather in the Jack because I know that's what I have in the um, Aston Martin, and it is it's it's great leather but it tends to be a little bit on the softer side mm-hmm. and it does wear more because i definitely have some wear happening on the driver's seat uh in the aston versus you know i always thought that the german leather it, it tends to be harder and it just wears like iron i mean my cayenne is 11 years old now it's got eighty-six thousand miles on it and that looks virtually new i mean there's no wear coming mm. on that at all and the german i don't know what they do if they just use a different grade of leather or they tan it differently or something but it seems like the german um leather has always been very very the, durable the carbon fiber leather it's, the, yeah <laughs> their cows are made of carbon fiber and, and the other thing that that the german cars do really the german makers do really well too is they've traditionally especially mercedes um they have their really high quality vinyl and like for years mercedes i think they still refer to it as mb tex uh mbtex and it's just basically vinyl but it's a really really high quality vinyl looks a lot like leather and that stuff just wears like iron too so um i'm i'm not a at all um you know averse to uh you they, know they, vinyl they seats call that, they call that cowbin fiber it, well, yeah there you go <laughs> There you go. Thanks, Lou. Sure. That's good. Um, That's what I'm here for. Yeah, you are. Uh, vinyl seats are good, too, but maybe we'll see more. You know, I, Vinyl's probably not considered eco-friendly, though, because of all the plastic and things like that in it. But anyway, something to uh, look out for when you're um, shopping for a new car. Don't be afraid to try some of the cool uh, new fabrics that are out there. And I don't think we'll ever see the end of leather, but uh, we'll just definitely getting... I think what it boils down to is more variety, which have, is nice. Have you ever put leather cleaner on your seats and then driven it? You know, um, I don't... You know, I'm, you I'm, take the curve hard, I'm, you're in the you passenger slide seat. off, yeah, yeah. That's what they say, like, with armor. I'll put it on, on <laughs> motorcycle seats. Buckle and, your seat yeah. belt, yeah. Um, no, actually, you know, I don't really treat my leather as well as I should. I really don't sit there and condition it once a year. And, and well, yours clean are all black, like. right? Uh, you know, actually, pretty much, yeah, yeah, cause, yeah. Because the the Lincoln has uh, um, it's tan, isn't it? It is tan. Yeah. So my, you know, my wife has to have a different kind of interior. You know? Yeah, it can't just be black because that would be a guy color. Yeah. So she has to have something that matches her hair yeah. or something. So and that's gonna. Uh, yeah, so you show the dirt a lot more. Yeah, so you got to actually, you know, think it through yeah. when you have something like that. Yeah. Same with a vinyl top that's, yeah. you know, light well, the, color. The Bentley I had had what they called a pheasant, which was kind of a light tan. And then the Jag XJ12 I had, to me, it looked, it, it was just like a very light tan, but it was mm-hmm. almost almost borderline cream but it wasn't quite that light but it was lighter lighter yeah and then the aston's deep navy almost black and then i have two-tone interior in the mercedes red and black but then everything else is uh, the other cars i own that with leather are all are all black so um 
I don't know. I, I, it's just one of those things, you know, I, it, being the car guy I am, you'd think I would want to keep my cars cleaner than I do. I'm not a slob. I don't have a bunch of junk laying around inside. I don't have trash or anything. You're but a I, very neat and I am a neat, person. Yeah, but I don't sit there and religiously wax or ceramic coat my cars every week, and I don't wash them a lot. You know, I just... I've, I've always seen your so, cars as very clean, Mark. Okay, well, You've that's good. very well. That's good. But my daily drivers, I guess, is pretty much what I'm, I'm talking about here, but... Anyway, we're going to take a quick break from the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive, and we'll be back momentarily. I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. And on the next Back to You, we're going to have Justin Kolovsik, and he is the guy that runs the uh, exhibit here at the Museum Broadcast Communications in Chicago. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Yes. What are the things that strike you out there? I love the various suits. You know, from Johnny Cash's suit to Don Cornelius's suit. Paul Schaefer's keyboard that he played on the Letterman show. Yes. Artifact after artifact. And that's on the next Back to You. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. Back to You, an Opie show. Only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. Hey, hey, Free Kicks is in a very special place. We are in London. So pumped up. Stamford Bridge, back at the old stomping grounds, looking forward to a, a great match against West Ham. Chelsea is uh, Adam's favorite team. We're going to get to see them live. You'll hear all about our adventures, exclusive interviews, and we're going to call this episode Free Kicks Across the Pond. Fantastic. Pip, pip, governor. <laughs> he hates it when I say that. Don't even do it. <laughs> Next time on Free Kicks Across the Pond. I'm Dave Stern from Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. Please join me on the Island of Radio Misfits holiday special. Coming this holiday season to opishows.com. And we're back on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable. In a uh, recent episode, we started talking, Lou, about the uh, 20 best station wagons that road and track felt were worthy of the 20 best on the original uh 10 we split the list up so we're going to do the next 10 today uh, a lot of volvo wagons on there of course because they were there your favorite was the chevy bel-air nomad uh, a couple of audi wagons and then a couple other things that we took uh, well, i took uh exception to with the saab 93 turbo x i said really no, I don't think so. Uh, my favorite on the on the first 10 was probably the Cadillac CTS-V wagon. That is just an amazing vehicle. They're rare because they didn't make them for very long, and they're going. They're starting to be recognized as a collectible. So um, on this next 10, uh, some of the similar um, marks that we uh, talked about uh, previously. And can, some, I, can I guess one of them? Sure, yeah. And I haven't seen the list. No, you haven't. So people yeah. know this. I'm going to guess it was that um, that Dodge. The one that was... Uh, you are correct. That's on the there. Magnum. Yes, that's yeah, on the there. Magnum. Yep, yep. And I always thought that that is a neat car. Can I actually? That was pretty cool. On this list, I'll get to it in a second. Is um, some of these cars were not available in the U.S. Most of them are, but there's always a couple that have been either a Japanese domestic market or European only. But uh, since Lou, since you brought it up, yeah, the Dodge Magnum SRT8 made the list. Um, of course, they made other versions of that too. Of course, they're saying the SRT8 was the one to have because that's got the 
Hemi in it. And I actually wrote down um, underneath that, I said underappreciated because I think, first of all, that's a gorgeous looking car. It's got that just low profile. Two, it's, it's sinister. Two, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. yeah, it's an awesome car. And when, and you put the wheels that, close to the wheel yeah, wall. And you put that SRT uh, 8, you know, you put that Hemi in there. Man, that is a good car. And, and actually, they're not yet taking off in price either. I mean, there's not a lot of them out there. And I believe you could also get that car... If I'm not mistaken, I think you could get it as an all-wheel drive vehicle as well, not right. just rear-wheel drive. But, yeah, definitely Dodge Magnum, great pick, great car. That's definitely uh, agreed on both of our ends here that that is worthy of a top top 20 uh, best wagons. The Audi S4 Avant is another one. Uh, the Avant has been uh, one of Audi's uh, stalwart uh, station wagon versions. They make it in uh, – they've made um, – a6 Avants, they made A4 Avants. This is the S4, which had the V8 in it. So it's this smaller version of, of the larger Avant. It's got the V8 in it. The car's a rocket. Great car. Um, and then keeping in that vein, the BMW M5 Touring, which would be the E34 series, which is going back a little bit. And then the BMW M5 Touring, the E61 series, which was newer than that one. And that had the V10 in it, which is cool. Uh, Audi or uh, BMW made the, um, the M5 five as a v10 uh just that engine is supposed to be incredible it had uh, some issues here and there because i actually was looking at <laughs> v10s uh and you've got a v10 but it's a completely different animal than the ones that are in um the bmws but those two bmws made the list uh, another uh bmw was the alpina b5 bi turbo v8 now alpina is a uh, a tuner for bmws but they actually uh basically i don't know if they I don't know if it's almost like a AMG thing where they seems like they almost like market the cars on their own because when you see an Alpina BMW it says Alpina on it, it doesn't really say BMW on it but I always thought Alpinas are very very cool. Uh one car not sold in the US that made the list was the Mercedes CLS 63 AMG shooting brake. Now that's a mouthful. If you know what the AM, uh the Mercedes CLS 63 is, that's what they call their four-door coupe. It's kind of a swoopy uh four-door sedan. So they made it into a shooting brake, which is um, English terminology for station wagon. But it's basically would, it would look a lot like the Magnum, actually. They would just extend the roof from the rear window all the way and put a hatch on it. So it would have that really swoopy low profile, but it'd still be a station wagon. For whatever reason, uh, Mercedes never sold that car here. Another uh, car that was not sold here was the Subaru Levorg, L-E-V-O-R-G. It's a Japanese domestic model. That's just kind of an oddball car. I think it's just because it's one of these weird Japanese cars that you see that made the list. And then there's three others on here that that are pretty classic and i'll start with the um buick roadmaster wagon the one that they uh they actually made a caprice version of that too i believe um it was in the, the uh, caprice estate yeah in the 90s just and had that L, it had the lt1 engine in it from the from the corvette and it's just a huge car but it's aerodynamic it's good looking it looks cool too when you when you put uh some mag wheels on it some aftermarket you know alloy wheels on it and i've seen a handful of those uh slightly you know tuned like that and they're cool looking cars and they're actually people have recognized that that those are kind of uh, something that are on the collectible radar i think they're hard to find because no one hung on to them and a lot of them probably got beat up but that's definitely a car to take a look at. Uh, another one that made the list, and this is the one I saw one of these uh, just this weekend at a Cars and Coffee, 
and I think I've talked about this before on the program. If you had to pick one car, what what would it be as a car guy? And this is almost, again, I'll, I'll say it again. The ultimate car guy car is the Mercedes E63S AMG wagon. It's got everything. It's an AMG, so it's got performance. It's got power. It's got luxury. It's got exclusivity. It's got handling. It's got cargo capacity. It's all-wheel drive. It just clicks, checks all the boxes, as they say. I mean, the cars, are, you know, it's not cheap, but it's just an incredible incredible vehicle and that was definitely uh, way at the top of this in my estimation the top uh 20 uh, best wagons and then the final one which is probably you could say it's a classic is the classic volvo 240 wagon we talked about the uh, 850r and the v70r which were um you know descendants of the classic volvo 240 the rear wheel drive real boxy wagon you can probably fit an entire bedroom set inside that thing and still have room just a classic car really is um and one car that i thought should be on the list just because I'm a Saab guy, it was the Saab 95, which was the station wagon version of my Saab 96. Saab sold them here in the U.S. Um, it looked like a 96 from the front, and then it was just continuing straight back, and they put a, a tailgate on it. And the cool thing about that is it's a small car, but it was actually a seven-passenger wagon. It had the rear-facing little jump seat, and, you know, only good enough for, for kids, but just really cool. What did it have for an engine? It had the V4, just the same exact. How engine? would a V4 pull that thing? It, it didn't weigh that much. I mean, okay. a right. 96 weighs about 2,000 pounds, maybe okay. 2,200. The wagon was maybe 150 pounds heavier than that. <laughs> it's front-wheel drive. It's just... It, it was never a problem. Actually, that thing was actually rated, too, if I remember. The load-carrying capacity on the 95 was higher. What was the horsepower? Than, maybe about 65 Wow. Yeah. For seven passengers? Yeah. Well, you got to remember, two of them are probably kids or the dog, okay. you know, in the jump seat. But still, it's just... Okay. And they actually made the... Just so just so you know, Lou, too, they actually made the 95 when they still were making three-cylinder two-stroke engines in the Saab. So you could get a 95 wow. with the three-cylinder two-stroke, which never peaked out more than probably about 50 horsepower. Wow. So... <laughs> And that great ring-a-ding-ding-ding sound as you're driving down the uh, the road with seven people <laughs> aboard. So I, that was the only one that I that I thought should have been on the list because it's just a classic. You don't see them anymore. But, you know, I, I've got a thing for station wagons. I don't own any. I haven't owned any, but I do appreciate them, and I think that they are uh, – you know, being more recognized uh, among the collector community, especially because when you get these, a lot of these European ones that are high powered, um, they, the performance is just staggering. And then you look at it, it's a real legitimate uh, alternative to an SUV. And uh, I think people are awakening to that a little bit. So good to know that, um, that they are getting the recognition, so to speak, that, uh, that uh, they should be because there's a lot of neat ones out there. Again, we're kind of living in the golden age, not only of horsepower, but of variety in the uh, car landscape. If you uh, like the Car Guys Report, and uh, I certainly hope that you do because you're listening to us, when you uh, listen, make sure you subscribe to our podcast as well. When you do, you'll get an automatic notification when there's new content. And also, you can rate us at uh, any time. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. All you have to do is search for Radio Misfits. You can also search directly for the Car Guys Report, and uh, we'll get uh, hooked up together 
together, and it'll be a great time. Also, too, if you could take a moment to rate our program, we'd certainly appreciate that. We've got some nice uh, ratings on Apple Podcasts, and we could always use a few more. So if you uh, like what we're doing, please let us know. And also, too, remember that whenever you're listening to a podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, all our programs are totally free, and it's easy to do. It's listening on your terms, whether you've got a uh, phone, whether you've got a tablet, a desktop, whether you're streaming live in your car, whatever you want. You can listen to us at any time. You can also uh, rewind, replay, revisit, fast forward. Uh, You can do anything you want. That's the beauty of podcasting. It's all available on radiomisfits.com. And of course, this is the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon along with uh, Lou Costable. And we're at the uh, point in the program where we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Lou's uh, popular YouTube channel, My Car Story with Lou. And we're going to play the my Car Story with Lou guessing game, where Lou will uh, give me three of his uh, cars that he has videoed on his uh, channel, and I have to try to guess which one had the most views. And again, I have no idea what he's going to uh, tell me about, and I have no idea this is completely unrehearsed. And I'm batting, um, I, I think I'm batting over 50%. Yeah, you're doing pretty yeah, well. Yeah, I'm not doing that bad lately, so, so let's see what happens. So we'll mix them up today. So uh, we'll start, we always start at the oldest car first, so we're going to do an 58 Pontiac Bonneville convertible with the tri-power. Okay. I saw one of those at Meekum, actually, okay. for sale. Didn't right. sell. Got bid up to 75, 70 or 70,000, 75,000, but didn't sell. Did not yeah. sell. The yeah. bid goes on, as Yeah, yep, the bid goes on. The 59 Studebaker Scotsman pickup, a rare it pick, is, yes. a rare pickup shows up on the yeah, my car yeah. story. Kind of an ugly thing. I never got into those the rear the way they did the rear fenders on that on the Studebaker pickup. It just looked too tacked on. Well, but. understand what it is. It was the cheapest pickup that you could purchase yeah. at the time. So, it wasn't designed for style and grace. And lastly, our third choice, so we're going to pick 1, 2, and 3. Our third choice is a 1970 Oldsmobile 442 W30 Mm-hmm. Tribute in gold. Okay. So I'll go over the three again. We've got the 58 Pontiac Bonneville convertible black with a tri-power engine, a 59 Studebaker Scotsman pickup in green with a V8 engine. That was, by the way, an optional engine. Mm-hmm. And the 1970 Oldsmobile 442 W30 Tribute. Tribute, which means it's actually not a W30, but they put it all mm-hmm. together to look like, like that. So like the 442 like, W30 wagon that I saw at a right, car show. <laughs> right. And I are. asked you about that, and you said, you said, nope, they never made that. But they should have, because there we go, talking about station wagons again. I'm going to go with the Studebaker pickup as number one. Number one, you're saying, is the pickup. Yes. What's the next one? The uh, Bonneville convertible, and then the uh, Tribute. Okay. And the tribute's three. Well, I will say that your last one is correct. Your three is actually in the number three spot. Okay. So the Oldsmobile came in with 53,000, or excuse me, 5,373 views. The Bonneville went nuts, and it's 63,000. Really? 63,500. I mean, those are rare cars, and they're very cool, but. So it was number one. And number two, uh, in my opinion, a little surprise, because it is the car story. So I thought I'd screw you up on that one a little bit, but uh, you didn't take the bite. 
uh, was 12,430 views. I so. just thought the uh, Studebaker would um, do well just because it's something you just don't see. I mean, I don't even see those at car shows. Yeah, well, one of the, yeah, we've talked about this before. One of the contributing factors to how do you get on My Car Story with Lou, one of two factors. Either you got to say, wow, that's just amazing, or it's, it's the what? Or yeah. you haven't seen it before and you just are interested in all of the details. Mm-hmm. Of it. So, so, yeah, the Pontiac Bonneville was more one of those wow cars. The Studebaker Scotsman was one of those what cars. And the Oldsmobile Tribute was really kind of cool. So mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So Cool. Um, yeah, like I said, I, it's... it's it, those numbers on the uh, on the Bonneville were incredible. I mean, they didn't make a whole lot of those cars. Uh, for some reason, you know, it, it's basically to, to to me it looks more like a '58 Oldsmobile than a than a '58 Impala. I mean, it's very similar. Yeah. But if you if you if you stack up a '58 Buick, '58 Bonneville, '58 Olds, '58 uh, Caddy, and '58 Impala, to me, there's a lot more DNA look-alike between the Pontiac and the Oldsmobile than there is the other ones. But it's, I'm not taking anything away from it. It's a cool car, right. and you just don't see them. And I want to add to it, you know, I mean, when I throw a car up on the, the channel, you never know what's going to do well. I mean, even, sure. I, even I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. I throw it up there because I like it, or I just think it's a great story, and the viewers decide. Well, how much, too, this is a, something I didn't really think about before, is how much do you think the actual owner commentary and how enthusiastic or funny or whatever the owner is contributes to the popularity of of the video versus just thinking about what the car is um that's a good question um i mean you know generally speaking you have to kind of put that in perspective too i mean a lot of times especially if i'm at a car show i'm meeting someone for all of about 30 seconds yeah so so i don't have you know i'm not um good speaker bad speaker you know, color, race, size, none of that matters to me. It's all about the car. Yeah. And hopefully they can communicate. So. Yeah. But I mean, sometimes so. you, you, you might not know what, what, what they're going to, how they're yeah. going to react. Like right. when you originally did my cars, you didn't do me cold right at, at a show. You know, we had some conversations right. before you actually met up with me and we started videotaping some of my cars. And that's a little different than just kind of like sandbagging somebody at a show. And, getting um you know them on 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 tape but i think it would help a little bit i mean because sometimes you might get a guy that's kind of a dud and somebody might get somebody who's who's more animated okay well let me (laughs) as you're saying this now i'm getting a little clearer so number one hopefully they've seen the channel before yeah as well so the channel has been around for a little over six years now so hopefully they've seen the channel so they kind of know where i'm going yeah um, that's another good factor, though, is a lot of times the one thing about the channel that's changed is people are now kind of coming to me saying, hey, Lou, you, you know, you're interested in my car. And when that happens, I know they know the channel and, and that makes it a lot easier. Sure. So uh, I guess the factor of is the person, you know, not that articulate about their car. I, I can't say it hasn't happened, but generally speaking, they're the, overall, it's very rare when the person. Well, let's even look at that. If they bring their car to a car show they're usually dying for someone to come up to them and go tell <laughs> me about your car so, so you never had the guy go like so tell me about your car uh and he, he wouldn't be saying anything he'd say so what kind of engine does it have in it got a v8 yep 
Yeah. yeah. I, well, I mean, you know, there have been people who have told me, you know, no, I don't want you to video my car. I mean, that, that has happened. It doesn't happen very often, quite honestly. But uh, generally speaking, if they're bringing their car to a car show, they're expecting people to walk sure. up to them and say hello. So yeah. so they're usually pretty articulate about their car. So, yeah. so to answer your question a little more effectively, <laughs> as I've had time to think about it and ponder it, is uh, usually the, the guests on the show are, are very good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Anything uh, new and exciting? Uh, there's always something new and exciting on your on your channel, but anything of, of super worthy note that we can look forward to? Well, super worthy note is uh, um, this weekend I met uh, Shmi150, who is a uh, number three YouTuber uh, in the... Uh, in the globe mm-hmm. uh, out out from England and we got a chance to video his uh, 4GT so that was that'll be uh, that's out there in stunning the maroon channel. and gold livery that's right that's exactly <laughs> so I actually saw car. the same car the same day that you saw it but we were at different events yep. so how's yep. that go well you saw it in the morning yes and then I videoed it late at yeah. night yeah, so see. you'll see you'll see the car actually driving in the evening which is very rare that you yeah. see a car on my channel drive in the evening yeah and ladies and gentlemen that just shows how plugged in Lou and I are to the uh, car guys theme or whatever you want to call it, the whole world of, of cars here. And that's why we're doing the Car Guys Report. Very nice guy, too, by the way. You, I think people are going to like the, the video. Good, good. Looking forward to it. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, we'll talk about Ford debuting One Fast Pony, plus some of the best luxury cars of the 20th century, one of our famous lists again. And we're certainly looking forward to bringing that uh, to you. Thanks so much for taking time to uh, listen to the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Certainly glad to uh, have you uh, been along for our ride. And special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with OpiShows.com. Opie is the word hippo spelled backwards. O-P-P-I-H Shows.com. It's distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. And that would be Radio Misfits. The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? If you missed Los Anno Anno and friends, here's what you missed. Tony, I think we have to talk about something. All right, let's talk. You spoke about going to see Star Wars again. We need to talk about you in Star Wars. <laughs> I'm proposing that before you see Star Wars again, which I know is going to happen, we need to get at least two other movies under your belt during this viewing season. Empire Strikes Back and Return of Jedi. No, no, <laughs> sir. We need to get something that does not involve laser swords, so to speak. How many times have you seen it, Tony? Seven. Just seven. Just seven. <laughs> Tony, that's over 14 hours mm-hmm. of your life devoted of. to watching one, in my opinion, pretty mediocre Star Wars movie. <laughs> That always scares me a little. (laughs) In a good way. Radio Misfits. Get more Lozano and Friends. Lozano. Now on Lozano.com. Good luck trying to spell Lozano or whatever the f*** it's called. Direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications. From bandstand to gaga, let's rock on TV. 
For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. And friends, starring me, Tommy. And me, Kimmy. And me, Sam. Come meet your new best friends. <laughs> hey, if you want to listen to our show, this is what it sounds like exactly. It's all about those conversations you can only have with your true friends. So come meet your new friends, Tommy. Kimmy. Sam. Right here with Ann Friends. Me want you as friends. Radiomisfits.com. I'm Rick Kemper from Free Kicks. Join me on the island of Radio Misfits Holiday Special, coming this holiday season to opishows.com.